It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the MMA guru. We got Mean Gene in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at MeanGene0022. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Gene, here we go. UFC 259 going to take place at the Apex in Las Vegas on Saturday night. Uh, we're a day late here, but we certainly hope that we're not a dollar short. We're going to go ahead. We're going to preview. Let's do one prelim, and we'll do the entire main card. Uh, not exactly sure how we did on our last card there, Gene. I was betting all kinds of crazy stuff, and uh, it seemed like the crazy stuff that I was betting, you know, like fighter by submission, fighter by knockout, like none of that stuff cashed for me. I was hitting the hitting the fighters. But I was just having trouble, um, you know, cashing some of those, I guess, the longer shot stuff. And, and sometimes you get drawn into that. How did you make out on the on the uh, last card? Same boat. Um, on the individual fighters, they're pretty good. Um, and that that one draw with, with Silva and uh, De La Rosa was rough. I mean, didn't lose because it was a draw, but still, I, you know, she was on her way to winning if she didn't get that point deducted. But um, straight plays were good. But, yeah, I got kind of sucked into the props as well. And I normally don't do that. Um, but I'm finding myself doing a little bit more recently because it's fun. You know, you're just trying to have some fun. You know, you want to make money, but you also want to have a little fun, too, when you're betting. Um, so, yeah, the prop bets, yeah, I think I lost, you know, I I lost it, the majority of them. So um, I'm definitely going to take it easy this week on the props. I do have some that people can kind of, um, you know, look at or, or – you know where I think these some of these fights are going to go, but I'm probably going to stay away from stay away from them personally. I like to just uh, bet um, straight plays for the most part myself. Yeah, I'm going to probably do the same thing. I think the reason being is I find myself on Saturdays when you have these big events going ahead and and sitting down and going ahead and like betting each and every fight. And you know we're going to end up with like 15 fights on this entire card, and we're starting with like you know the early prelims to the prelims to the main card. I could turn into a long day and I don't feel like uh, sitting there trying to, you know, catch these plus three fifties all day. Like I know, you know, when it comes to the fight game and it comes to betting the stuff, um, you know, they don't just come as easy um, as you think, but you did a ton of work. You got a lot of stuff over there at the betting predators.com. If you guys are looking for, you know, jeans breakdowns with the early prelims, the prelims and the main card, you guys can go over there and read that. He has everything over there at bettingpredators.com. All right, let's pick out our one prelim here. I'm going to go with the Dominic Cruz fight. It's going to be Dominic Cruz against Casey Kenny. Kenny's going to be about minus 135 right now. I think some money's going to actually come in here on Kenny, believe it or not. I think uh, some of the sharps are going to fall on him and the public's going to fall on him. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm probably going to end up playing Dominic Cruz here uh, at a small plus price. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my handicap after you go ahead and give the handicap, Gene. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I'm right with you with the Dominic Cruz. I think I think a lot of people saw the last fight with Dominic Cruz, and you know he saw him kind of get dominated against Henry Cejudo, but it was Henry Cejudo. I mean, this guy's a double champ for a reason. You know, one one of the best UFC fighters of all time. With Dominic Cruz, seeing him lose and get knocked out against Henry Cejudo the way he did, uh, a lot of people that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. I think they kind of forget like he was coming off a long layoff. I want to say he was out for like three, four years before he, you know, fought Henry Cejudo. So, and it's Henry Cejudo, like I said. So um, I think 
he's he's being undervalued here um, at plus money. I think it's a good bet on him. Casey Kenny, don't get me wrong, he's you know he's he's a good fighter. Um, he beat Nathaniel Wood in his last fight, I believe, and he looked good. You know, um, he has good kicks. He's solid on the ground. He can grapple, and um, he does have power on the feet. But I, I just don't think he's going to be able to to catch up with Cruz. I think you know Cruz is going to use his movement like he always does. But now um, having a fight earlier, you know, seven months ago, and then have, and then now having this fight, it's not for it's not a four year hiatus like it was going into the Cejudo fight. So I think you're you're going to see a better Dominic Cruz here, and the Dominic Cruz that you're used to seeing, the one that only has three losses in his career. You know, let's not forget about that. You know, he's only got three losses in their in title fight. So um, yeah, I got Dominic Cruz here. I think I think all the values on Dominic Cruz. I think Casey. I think this is a big step up for him. And I think Dominic Cruz was smart in in also losing the Cejudo in the title fight and not jumping right back into the into the shark infested water and, and fighting like a top five guy in the division. You know, Casey Kenny is trying to crack the top ten. So I, I like what Dominic Cruz is doing here. You know, uh, headline the prelims, get a nice win, and then, you know, move up and try to make his run towards the title. You know, I don't think at any point probably you know, over the last year or two, especially from like, you know, the Cejudo fight that that Cruz actually thought that it, it, he was going to be done. Like he was just going to up and retire, you know, remain an announcer. Like I had a feeling like and and I agree with you, like sometimes I think, you know, taking time off, especially like, you know, when you hit like let's I think you would agree with me, like Cruz kind of hit his pinnacle and then it was like, all right, I'm coming back down. But a lot of guys, you know, they get that second, they get that third chance. And I felt like Cruz probably has seen enough. Like, he's a veteran of the game that he's like, you know what? I'm not just going to rush back in, in, you know, four months, six months, try to get this sour taste out of my mouth. I need to get hungry again. I need to figure out, you know, where I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to do it. And I kind of feel like maybe he picked Kenny for this particular fight because I think this is a fight that maybe Cruz could go ahead and win, but he understands that he has to be hungry in order to, to take this fight and to go ahead and win this fight. But I think that this will create a lot of hunger for him, you know, no matter what, um, you know, whether he wins or whether he loses, I think there's a good fight for him. I actually think this fight is, it's pretty even. Um, I, I got a ton of respect for a guy like Cruz. Uh, as you had mentioned, you know, he goes ahead and he loses to Cejudo and you can't, I, you can't argue how great that guy is. And Cruz took that one on short notice. I think he had, you know, probably about a week, a week of camp. So um, that, that certainly didn't help going up against a guy like Cejudo and, and this one, he's going to have the, you know, with a full, with a full camp. So um, I think that's going to be a massive help for him, at least mentally, you know, going into a in the last fight with little, no training camp. And then a lot of guys, you know, it's not like they don't do it, but you don't want to get accustomed to, you know, not having a training camp and understanding, you know, all the crap that you have to deal with, you know, the loss to Garbrandt, you know, that was back in like 2016. So you had mentioned, you know, Cruz only has three losses. Well, there's two out of three right there. And Garbrandt was kind of, you know, on top of his game at that point. You know, I feel like this fight kind of just gets Cruz back in the picture, you know, of, of everything again. Plus, you know, I don't want to fade the guy. And this is my own weird kind of thing. Like, I don't like fading guys like DC or, or, or Bisping or any of the guys who are out there announcing because they have to turn right back around and they have to go right back on camera 
and then they have to kind of like face the music. Sometimes when guys get beat, you know, they can go ahead, they can kind of hide in the shadows a little bit. And I think that that, you know, that helps them. But I think being an announcer, being on TV where you have to turn around in a week or two and go face, you know, the general public where, you know, you're going to talk to a national audience. I think that that kind of it motivates you to not go out there because you don't have to show your face, you know, so quick around. So you know, I feel like Cruz will probably be relentless with his takedown attempts in this one. And he might actually go ahead and, and be the one pushing the pace. I feel like he'll be the busier fighter. You know, as for Kenny, maybe. Maybe I'm underestimating the guy a little bit. Um, I look at the last five guys he fought. I don't see really, you know, anything super special. I think what what worried me about when I look at Kenny is the cards that they put him on. And he was on some really good cards. And generally when you see that, it's pretty much, it tells me that the UFC is trying to get this guy as much shine as they can, get him into the spotlight because he potentially could be, you know, something big. And I think that, you know, if Kenny wins this fight, just to have Dominic Cruz on his resume, even if it results in a loss, um, that's going to be a good thing for him. But even if he wins this fight, um, I think that's going to be a big step up for him. Uh, both guys could grapple. I think Cruz probably wants this one on the ground as much as possible. Maybe Kenny can go ahead and use his grappling as well. He's, I mean, he's got a, you know decent jujitsu. Maybe he can go ahead and stalemate Cruz a little bit. I think this one has a good chance to go the distance. I think that it probably will. Uh, I might look at actually betting that, but I'm going to go ahead and probably take Cruz um, at at plus 115, and then maybe I'll go ahead and I'll use the parlay, um, you know, for the distance at minus 240 because they're they're basically telling you this one's going to go the distance. But I think Cruz will be the busier fighter. I think he'll end up with more takedowns. Uh, he'll obviously have more control time. Um, the, the way that I'm handicapping it. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. You got anything else to wrap that one up? Yeah, just on the point of the Casey Kenny, 100% the UFC, you know, they're behind this guy. To put him as the, the headliner of the prelims says it all. And I think, you know, I think it's admirable, to be honest with you, that Cruz is even taking this fight. He doesn't have to. He could get a bigger name. It's, it's Dominic Cruz. He's a legend. And like you had said, um, you know, Henry Cejudo and Cody Garbrandt are his last two losses. Um, you know, he's only got losses in championship fights, like I said, um, and he can fight any big name if he wanted to. And that's why he got that title fight against the because he was Dominic Cruz. So, um, I just think it's interesting. I think he sees some in this matchup where, you know, this will catapult him back into, you know, a, 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 a big, bigger fight for him. And then for the UFC, you know, with Casey, obviously Casey Kenny is going to take it because of the name value. And then the UFC's, you know, they put him as the as the headliner of the prelim. So I I think it goes speaks to your point about um, the UFC back and Kenny. Um, as for the fight, um, like I like I said, I just I agree with you. I think Cruz is going to wrestle him, uh, use his movement to to stay away from the leg kicks. The key for Kenny is the leg kicks. If he can consistently land on on Cruz, I, I think he wins the fight because uh, Cruz typically has issues with guys that that. Um, Focus on kicking this leg. I do think Cruz, it's good value at plus money. Um, I originally said I was just going to pick it and not bet it, but the more that we've talked about it, I've looked into it more. Um, I do think it's just, I think it's a very good bet to to take Cruz at plus money. All right, good stuff on that one. I felt like we broke that one down to the pretty much the bare bones there. It's, it's a good prelim card, um, but I didn't want to have to go through and try to dissect you know, another five fights and then sit and we'd be, we'd be here for an hour. But 
Uh, as I had mentioned, go read Gene's stuff over at thebettingpredators.com. But let's jump into the main card here, Gene. We got Tiago Santos. Uh, he's going to be an underdog here against Alexander Ratzik. Ratzik right now minus 160. I think that this fight could potentially be one of the most boring fights on the entire card. And that's even including, you know, the prelim card. You know, Rasik to me is probably the better fighter. He has far more weapons. I think he keeps his distance here. And I think he's going to try to avoid like that phone booth type of fight against Santos. I could see him trying to drag this one out. But keeping, you know, his distance, use the jab and utilize probably a bunch of leg kicks here, which his leg kicks could be vicious. They could end the fight. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. You know, I think Santos is dangerous. I could see him trying to be uh, maybe the aggressor in this one, which will actually be you know, somewhat good for him. But I don't think Ratzik will try to play that type of game with him. I think it's you know, more of just an out, out trying to outstrike him um, type of a game plan. You know, keep his distance, use the jab, use the kick. I think ends up I think Ratzik ends up winning this one. I think he probably ends up with a little bit of work to the body, a little bit of work to the head. And then, you know, he, he's getting his leg kicks in. And before you know it, it's one of those. I don't want to say it's going to be a whitewash where, you know, he could win every round. But I think that, that that's, you know, I think that that's certainly in the cards. And I like the fact that both guys fight orthodox. And I think that that helps, you know, open up more things for, for Ratzik than it, than it does for Santos. So uh, I'll just go ahead and I'll play Alexander Ratzik. I'll take the favorite in this one minus the 160. And hope he avoids, you know, Santos throwing those bombs and getting caught. But I think Ratzik will come in here with a with a pretty strict game plan. And uh, I think he'll pull off the win here. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I think uh, Santos, the only way he is going to win this is to knock him out. Um, I, I, I wonder about Santos, Santos, man. He, you know, he had that, that good performance against John Jones. Lost a you know, split decision. Or, pardon me. He lost a close decision to, to John Jones. And then tore, you know, he tore up his knee in that fight, and he came back and he fought Glover Teixeira in his last fight. And after being off for a year and a half or whatever it was, and he just the explosiveness was gone. Um, he's the power still there; it will always be there, but the explosiveness was just gone. Um, he did land on Glover and almost had him out of there, but Glover just easily took him down and, and dominated him on the ground multiple times, even after Glover was rocked and. That's I think that's the key to this fight. I think Rakic, you saw it in his last fight against Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith is a big puncher, solid grappler. Rakic just said, I'm not even gonna stand with this dude. I'm just gonna take him down and dominate him. And that's what he did. And he won he won a, a unanimous decision that was kind of boring. So that I'm telling you, you know, you're spot on with that. Um it does speak to this fight potentially being born outside of a knockout. You know, both these guys have crazy power. There could be a, a knockout, which is exciting. But other than that, I don't think that's going to be Rackage's game. I think he's going to just try to stay on the outside, you know, pick him apart and and find find his, um, you know, get his timing and, and then take him down and uh, and just dominate him on the ground. Um, and this is just a big fight for him, too. Santos is a name. He got that John Jones rub. Um, and for Rackage to come in here and, you know, beat um, Anthony Smith, and then beat um, uh, uh, Santos, who both were in title fights against John Jones. I think it's big for his career. It just moves him up um, into that you know upper echelon of the, of the uh, division, where he's going to be one, maybe two fights away from 
a title fight. So I think he's going to be smart here. And uh, I think it's going to be like last week with Cyril Gahn, what he did against Rosenstrike. I think he he just realizes this is a big opportunity for me. I'm not going to screw this up. I'm going to play it safe and just get this win, you know, get out of here with, with as least um, damage as possible. Before we even get into the next fight, what the hell was Rosenstruck doing last week? I mean, did he have a – did he even – did he care to even win that fight? I mean, I've seen a lot of lackluster performances in the UFC, and I've seen guys go out there and, and you know, they go five rounds. and, and But, like, what the hell was that? Like, he just stood there, and it was like – it's one of those situations where he was actually gun shy and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like, he's not throwing nothing. He's just looking to not get hit. And I think gone kind of felt the same way where both of those guys realized. And I think this is something that, that a lot of people who, who aren't UFC guys who, you know, watch it every, every now and again, I think those two guys realized that they could seriously hurt each other. And they were like, Like, did you get that feeling? Like, it was just like that type of a a thinking in both guys' heads, like, to where it was like, if this guy hits me, he could kill me. And that's just the way that I felt. And I felt that Rosenstruck was like, he was the one that was like, this, and look, that gone dude is a monster. His thighs are as as big as my entire body. And I'm like, he kicks, and if he kicks you, you know, he could snap you in half. But that's just the way I felt, man. Like, I felt like Rosenstruck went out there and he was looking, to not get hurt. He'll take an L, but he didn't want to end up in the hospital. That's kind of just the way I felt. What do you think? Yeah, they they, they both were super tentative. Uh, Rosenstrike, he's coming off. Now, he did beat J- JDS, but before that, he got not – he had that game plan where, screw it, I'm just going to rush Naganu, and he got knocked out crazy, you know, one of the you know knockouts of the year um, last year. So, I, yeah, I would not be surprised if that was in the back of his head. When it comes to that fight, I think Gan just took the safe approach. Like, listen, this is a big fight for me. This is a big name. I'm trying to get up to the up to the title, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk anything because Rosenstrike one punch, I'm, he's gonna knock me out. And he saw the week before with Derek Lewis and Blades. Blades is you know winning the whole fight, and then um, Derek Lewis hits him with that crazy uppercut, knocks him out. So I think that was in his mind as well. And he's like, I'm gonna play it safe. But one thing I do want to speak on. In, re- in regards to that fight, is there was a lot of you know criticism towards Gone and Rosenstrike naturally, and my two cents on it is it should be all directed at Rosenstrike. You know, Gone's in there; he was you know he was throwing strikes, he was picking them apart. Yeah, did he? You know, could he have been more aggressive? Of course he could have, but he was playing safe. He's trying to get two paychecks, as you know. These guys, you know, if you lose, you only get one half of your paycheck, uh, and also title contention is on the line too. So he played it smart. It's on Rosenstrike to be the aggressor there, especially when he's down three rounds, you know, and there's no chance of him winning except for finishing the fight. He needs to be the aggressor, but for whatever reason, he was shy and, you know, maybe it was, he was afraid of getting knocked out um, and had that Nganu fight in the back of his mind. But yeah, it was, it was weird, man. I, you know, I was super hyped up for that fight. I thought it was going to be fireworks and it, it was a dud. Yeah. I think it was one of those situations where he realized how big gone was. And he was like, "This dude, this dude could put put a serious beating on me." That's just the way. like when you when you look at both guys in the ring, I'm like, if Gon's out there and he's being aggressive and he's doing whatever he wants to do, and maybe he was just playing it safe, like you were saying, like he wanted to go ahead and and make sure he secured the win there because you know he goes into you know a different atmosphere. If that guy's out, like he worries me. That guy, like 
I would not want to be anywhere. I don't even want to be in the vicinity of that guy if he's throwing punches and there's people around. That's just the way I felt when I watched him. I was like, this dude's a monster. Monster. But, yeah. yeah. So let's jump into the next one here. We got uh, Makachev. He's going to be minus 360 against Drew Dober. You know, we talked about Drew Dober quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Dober's going to be a sizable underdog here at plus 270. You know, I feel like this is a step-up fight here for Makachev. Um, it's a good name for him. I feel like he could beat Dober here, um, you know, and then he's going to be even more sought after, especially, you know, being on the main card. Now, I think a lot of people are wondering if, if Makachev's next level. I think this is a good test for him. You know, I won't say great, but Dober to me, you know, he, he, just, he doesn't have the, the ground game that he's going to need. Um, to go ahead and hang here with Makashev. I think his takedowns and control uh, in this fight will probably be relentless. And Dober, I don't think he wants any part of being on the ground. And unfortunately for him, I think that's where this fight's going to end up. I think all three rounds are going to end up with Dober on the ground, on his back. I won't rule out a submission here for Makashev. Uh, I'll pizza bet that Makashev plus 420 to go ahead and submit Dober. I think that that's worth um, something. And then I'll go ahead, I'll parlay Makashev probably... Maybe with Nunez more than likely. Haven't fully committed to that one though. Haven't really fully committed to, to much, you know, within this fight yet. Kinda wanna hear your thoughts, but that's kind of, you know, where my general thinking's at with that one. But uh, I won't have any piece or any part of Drew Dover in this fight. How are you looking at that one? Yeah, same same thing. Um Makachev, uh, you know, he trains out AKA training partner with could be pretty you know pretty much you know whatever he is cousin he comes out of that, that team from all the talk that's coming out of the camp and from Khabib they're saying this dude's the future and Khabib was saying that when he was holding holding the title and, and, and more active um he was saying Makachev is going to end up taking this title um once I'm done and retired you know he's going to come up and, and take this title there's rumblings coming out of the gym that Makachev is the better wrestler I don't really believe it but I mean, those are high praises if you're saying that Makachev is the better wrestler between he and uh, Khabib. Um, so yeah, man, I, I think exactly what you said. I think all three rounds, Makachev is going to be on top, um, and he's just going to control this fight. I don't think Dober really has any chance outside of a knockout. Um, and Makachev just doesn't absorb. I forget the stat. I have to pull it up, but he just he doesn't absorb any damage. Um, he doesn't take any shots. He's one of like the best in the UFC when it comes to avoiding damage and pretty much just go back, watch a Khabib fight, whichever one you want to watch and, you know, just copy and paste that into this fight. That's, that's what I anticipate. I anticipate Makachev just absolutely dominating Dober, um, taking him down at will, controlling him. Um, and I think it's going to be a decision victory um, just because that's just how he fights and Khabib even kind of fights like that as well. Um, a lot of his fights are, are, um, decisions unless he gets that submission so yes i guess if i wasn't going to take some type of prop on this makachev by by submission um isn't a bad pizza bet for sure but um i I do like makachev to get a decision victory personally and um i'm going to parlay him as well i'm going to parlay him without asanya personally i know we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit but yeah i got makachev in domination and this is in quickly this is a big fight for makachev in the sense of he he you know, he has these big names that he's supposed to fight to kind of move up in the division. And for whatever reason, COVID, he gets injured. Just he has bad luck in that sense. And um, I'm, I'm praying that this guy actually makes it to to fight night, dominates Dober, because 
after this fight, man, the sky's the limit for this kid. I, I think they're going to give him like a legit contender next, you know, maybe a Dos Anjos, you know, like a top eight guy. And man, I think they're going to get him up there fighting for the title very, very soon. This is, he, he, has, he has a bright future. Yeah, that's pretty much what all the reports that I read is that, you know, that Khabib and those guys were like super high on him and this, that, and the other. But sometimes I wonder if it's just a camp, you know, going ahead and talking. But, um, you know, it's even, you know, even the squares and the sharps and mainstream media, you know, everybody's kind of high on him. So hopefully he'll go out there and perform well. I think he will. We got three title fights here. We got Jan and Sterling. I'll go ahead. I'll start this one out. I feel like Jan is, I don't know, man. I just feel like he's not like super top level, but I feel like Sterling might be. No, I think this is a 50-50 fight, but I feel like Sterling just has the weapons here. I don't think he showcased, you know, everything in some of the fights in the past, but I have a feeling he breaks it all out here. I think you're going to see, you know, a Sterling that's kind of flashy. I think he's going to end up on the ground quite a bit here. No, Sterling does get it done. I think there's a chance we might see that Sterling Sanhagen rematch. I don't know, I'm just not buying into Jan holding the belt. It, it does. It makes me hesitate a little bit, you know, to go ahead and bet Sterling that the fact that that Jan does have a belt. But I'll probably end up playing Sterling. haven't Haven't done it yet, so I'll let you go ahead and talk me into. You no, know, if I bet Sterling or not, more than likely it's not going to be anything with Jan. That's just kind of how I feel. Um, I'll let you go ahead and talk me into that one, Gene. What, what are you thinking? All right. So, um, cannot wait for this fight. I know it sounds crazy. This is the fight I'm, I'm most looking forward to. Um, of course, Adesanya versus Jan to become double champ is a great fight. And it's a close second for me with that one. But this one just has fireworks written all over in my personal opinion. I love the heat between these two guys. Aljamain Sterling talks a lot of trash. Jan talks a lot of trash as well. Um, I'm on the other side. I personally do like Jan and I will get into that in a second, but I'll start with Sterling. Sterling, amazing talent. I mean, the guy is from what he was to where he is now is night and day, uh, difference. And, and it's credit to him and his hard work and his camp with, with Matt Sarah. The guy is a beast on the ground. He's super strong. He, he controls his opponents. He's great at taking the back on the feet. That's the night and day difference from the old Algermain to the one we're seeing today and we'll see on Saturday. He's an awesome striker now. I mean, he he throws varied strikes. One thing I love that he does is he's like he uses his punches to set up his kicks and he uses his kicks to set up his punches. So you'll see him throw a front kick to the body with like a jab or you know, a right hook right behind it. Or, you know, he'll throw a punch. Um you know, a jab, whatever it is, and then he'll come with a kick like right behind it. You don't even see it coming. Um, I really am impressed by by his striking and 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 um the transition, you know, of his striking as well. I think he's motivated. He's wanted this shot for a while. The UFC, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Matt Sarah's best friends with Dana White, so and he has a show with him. I don't understand it, but they just have kind of railroaded Sterling a little bit. Like there's he probably should have fought for a title earlier. Um, he probably should have been in the position where Jan was at fighting Aldo for the ti- for the vacant title. But for whatever reason, he wasn't. They gave him Corey Sanhagen. He showed out, got that quick submission, and now he truly is deserving of this title shot. As for Jan, on, on the other end, Jan is just – his nickname is No Mercy. He's a Terminator, man. Like that. That's, that's how I would describe him. He's a void of emotion. 
in the sense of when he's in that cage. It doesn't matter what his opponent throws at him. He's going to keep moving forward. That's what impresses me with him. Aljamain's the same way. Um, so if, I'm, I'm bouncing around here, but it's because I'm super excited for this fight. I don't even know, you know where to start with all this stuff. Aljamain Sterling moves forward. Um, I've noticed that watching the film. Right when the bell rings, boom, he's right in front of his opponent's face. He's trying to get a takedown. And if you're not, you don't have good takedown defense, you saw with Corey Sanhagen, boom, you get taken down and you're submitted really quick. Um, but that's one thing I know is he's just right when the bell rings, he's in your face. Peter Jan's the same exact way, except he's not as aggressive about it. Like Sterling sprints to the center and just tries to engage. Jan just like a like a like a psycho, like a terminator. He just just moves forward. Doesn't matter. You throw kicks, punches, try to you know wrestle him. Doesn't matter. He's moving forward. Um, he's a he's a amazing boxer. Very technical. Has very good takedown defense. I think it's at like ninety percent um, takedown defense in the UFC. Um, he's great at scrambling. So even when he gets you know his opponent kind of wraps him up, gets him against the cage, he's great at at, at getting off of the cage and disengaging. And when he dis- disengages, he he likes to throw a shot too. You know, he'll throw like an elbow or a hook or whatever. It, it's it's a tough call. I, 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 you know, the guys that are taking Sterling, I understand taking Sterling. I even kind of, when this fight was originally booked, I was leaning towards Sterling. But the more and more studying I did, I just think Jan's going to end up getting this victory. Sterling, the thing that I noticed about him, and this was the key for me, he comes out fast. And he it's in th- three-round fights. He comes out fast. He's in your face. He's... You know, he's trying to take you down. If he can't take you down, okay, then he stays at range and tries to pick you apart. Very good striker, like I said. But the one thing that happens is once you get to the second half of the second round and the third round, he starts to tire. And so like Jimmy Rivera, which he fought, and Pedro Munoz, he was destroying him from, for, you know, 70% of the fight or whatever it was. And then he just slowed down. And he allowed those guys to now take the center of the, state, uh, center of the cage and start kind of piecing him up. Um, he still was landing. He still won those those rounds, but it was like you could. There's a clear shift in the momentum in those fights. And Jan, you watch his. It does not matter. He's being knocked down. Guys have tried to wrestle him and put him in bad positions. It he like gets back on his feet, lands a punch, just keeps moving forward. I just think his relentless pressure is going to end up wilting Sterling in the championship rounds. So the key to this fight is. Can Aljamain get get up 3-0? Can or can he submit him within the first three rounds? Because because I do think um, Jan will end up taking over the third and for sure win the fourth and fifth, in my opinion. So um, I know I'm rambling on. I'm super. If you can't tell, I'm super excited about this fight. I have a lot of information on both fighters, but yeah, I'm gonna lean Jan. I'm gonna bet him just because I think he's an underrated champion, and I think a win like this over Sterling is gonna finally open the public's eyes to like how good of a fighter he is and how good of a champion he is. So um, yeah, my pick is Jan, but if you're going the other way, like I agree with you too. It's you know, it's crazy as it is to say, like I agree with you taking Sterling too, because if you're looking straight skills, I do think Sterling is a better fighter because of that, that wrestling and the strength on the ground with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, he is better in that realm, but I just don't think that Jan's going to allow him to take him down. This isn't like a striker versus wrestler or, or striker versus grappler type of fight. Like Jan is a striker. He is a technical boxer, but he has amazing takedown defense and amazing scrambling ability. So I don't 
even if Aljamain gets him down, I think he gets right back up. I don't think he'll be able to hold him down. So Jan's a pick for me. I don't want to sit here and, and act like Jan, you know, doesn't have a chance because he, he has, you know, he has a great chance. But what you said makes a lot of sense, though. You know, if, if this gets drug out, that you, you have to start to favor Jan the longer this thing goes just because of the aggressive nature from, you know, from from Sterling. And, you know, Sterling spent a lot of time on the ground, you know, trying to get submissions, this, that, and the other. You know, you had mentioned, you know, that it could end up, you know, tiring him out, wearing him out. So, like I said, I'm on the edge here. I'll probably think about it a little bit more. Maybe I'll read all your stuff and, and maybe I'll, you know, figure it out. But I just don't want to go ahead and, and, and bet on Jan. That's just kind of kind of my gut feeling. And I totally understand. And, and one thing I will say, um, if you are going to go Sterling, man, the submission prop is not a bad prop at all. Because I don't, I don't think that Alger, I don't, Algermain doesn't have enough pop in his in his hands. I, I don't think he's going to knock out Jan at all. Um, I don't even think it's a chance of that. I think, man, if you're going to bet Jan, or pardon me, if you're going to bet Sterling, go ahead and bet him straight because you know the odds are so low. You know, you get, you might even get plus money. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that. We'll see what ends up happening because Jan was a bigger favorite. Um, Sterling was a bigger underdog, and it's kind of you know it's narrowed now. But um, so we'll see what happens fight night. But uh, Sterling, take him straight, or maybe the better one, or just sprinkle, add it onto your bet, is taking Sterling by submission, because that's what I see happening. If, if Yeah, he could. I mean, I, I might be totally wrong, and he is able to quickly um, get Jan down and, and cinch up a, a submission. And mainly, you know, it's probably going to be a you know rear naked choke. That's, that's what he, he typically does. So I would not be surprised by that. And, man, it's plus 335. If you take um, Sterling uh, by submission, so that is not a bad bet. If you're going to go with, uh, with your, if you're going to go with Sterling, you know one of the things you brought up that kind of made me think about when you were talking about Sterling, as far as you know him not getting like these, you know the big fights and things like that. You know one of the things I think that that a lot of people kind of have to understand and recognize is that at the end of the day, the UFC is a business, and if they go out there and they put all their talent out there they can end up with a really dry division where, you know, it just becomes a, you know, where they, where they're just, they don't have enough fighters out there. And it's like, you know, they got top guys going against top guys all the time. I think sometimes what they try to do is they try to, you know, hold the guy back a little bit, hold the guy back a little bit. Be like, you know, this guy's fun. This guy's flashy. We don't want to go send him out there. Um, let's kind of hold him back as long as we can, because, you know, the UFC knows that, you know, you're going to end up with these surprise retirements and this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, geez, now we need, you know, we haven't showcased anybody over the last, you know, whatever. And now they're, they're stuck in like this dry spot. And I think that's one of the reasons why, just why the UFC is so successful. They have these early prelims. They have these, you know, UFC fight nights. They have, you know, prelims and then the main cards. It's like, you know, they have ways now to kind of get at least people known somewhat. That's just the way that I kind of feel is like maybe they held Sterling back a little bit because maybe they were afraid maybe the division will dry up. And it's like, we, you know, we always have to have fresh blood. And that's kind of the way that, you know, that I think about it when, when you're running a business. So that's just, I just wanted to go ahead and bring that up and, and talk about that for a second. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, no, I, I do. And I think one thing you'll see with the UFC that they do um, definitely pay attention to this is when they have two – you know, young top, you know, young um, surging prospects, 
they don't ever want to match those guys up. They like to, you know, keep them on se- separate paths until they, until the last minute when they really, really, really have to match them up. And you see that all the time. You know, you saw with, you know, Gon is one of the top um, heavyweight prospects. They have him fight JDS. JDS actually just got cut this week. Um, they, they, you know, they have him fight those type of guys. Volkov too. Volkov's not young, but you know, Volkov against Overeem. They, 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 they like to match the younger or surging fighters um, up against the old guard, you know, and that's what they're doing right here. A perfect example, we just, we already broke this fight down. was a Dominic Cruz and the Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny is the surging prospect, looked very good against Nathaniel Wood. And Dominic Cruz is at the end, you know, the, you know, you know, the back half of his career, whatever, he's on the 16th, 17th hole. And so they match him up with, you know, Casey Kenny against Dominic Cruz. So Casey Kenny wins, he gets the name on his resume. Dominic Cruz wins. It's like, hey, you know, you were kind of supposed to win. Now we'll move you up into, you know, into the part of the division that you probably should have been fighting in originally. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. And, uh, yeah, so. All right, well, good stuff on that one. Let's jump over to uh, the co-main event here. We got Nunez. She's going to be a monster favorite. She's like minus, minus 1,000, minus 1,200 right now. She's going to be going up against Megan Anderson. I'll go ahead. I'll start this one out. You know, I think Nunes has a problem. Actually, I think it's it's kind of a big problem here, and I don't think it's with Anderson, but I think it's going to be tough for her to get a main event nod. I just actually don't think we're going to see her, you know, getting a, a main card, main event draw anymore because she's basically just cleared out, you know, pretty much everything in her path. I feel like, you know, this is kind of like a pay-per-view builder, you know, more of a hype fight legacy type of building fight. Uh, Nunes is just too good of a striker that I think eventually, you know, Anderson is just going to get tired of, you know, trying to keep her distance and she's going to eventually just step into the danger zone. I don't think she'll play that. uh, I don't think she'll, she'll do what uh, Rosenstrike did. Um, I think she'll step into the danger zone because, you know, obviously she wants to win the title here. I don't know, man. I think it's going to take like a picture perfect game plan from from Anderson to go ahead and pull off the upset, a miracle KO of some sort. I just don't see that happening. Again, you know, I think I think Nunes is going to be stuck in these co-main events until somebody shows up and looks like they're a real contender. I'm probably just going to use this more than likely probably in that parlay. I don't know how you feel about this one, but I feel like this is just one of those big names for the pay-per-view card to boost it up. But I don't see Nunez really running into any trouble here. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, yeah, there, there's just no one left for her. I mean, the only the only fight that would um, garner any fanfare is against Shevchenko, and she already fought Shevchenko two times and beat her. Um, I believe it was two times and beat her. Um, and they were, you know, one of them. It, it was a close, like, split decision or whatever it was. A lot of people felt like Shevchenko won, but that's really the only fight that you can make. I mean, there's no other fight for her. She's clear out the division, especially at one at 145. She clearly is clear out the division. The UFC barely even has a 145 division. I don't even know if – I don't even think they have rankings for for that division, if, if I'm correct, um, because there's just – there isn't enough women in that division. Um, yeah, I'm double-checking real quick. Yeah, there isn't. If you go to UFC.com and you look at the rankings – the only person in the featherweight division ranked is the champion Amanda Nunes. They just, they don't even have a division really. So um, it's all about what you just said. They're just keeping that division around and that belt around just for this, 
you know, this instance, they need a co-main event, kind of get some viewers in, um, you know, that's really all it is. I mean, she should run through Megan Anderson. It should not even be um, a sweat for her. And Megan Anderson, her, her her only path to victory is a knockout. So I think you're going to see Amanda Nunes with Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. I think you're just going to see her take take her down. I think if she's smart, she's going to do that. I'll tell you that. I mean, there's no way I'd risk losing everything that she's got. I mean, she, all this money, all this fame, you know, double champion where she's actually defending the belt in two different weight classes. She's on top of the world. She's the, you know, women's, I mean, she's one of the greatest of all time, all fighters in, in MMA history, but for women's, she's number one. She's the greatest. And I don't think she's going to risk that against Megan Anderson, who is just kind of, she's average to be honest with you. And the only reason why she's in this fight is because she's a true 145er, and she, I think, strung together two wins against, like, mediocre competition. So, um, at this point, they're just looking for bodies for Amanda Nunes to run through. Megan Anderson is going to be another one of those bodies. And um, personally, I'm going to bet um, Amanda Nunes to win by submission. Um, the line was, like, I think it was, like, plus two-something at one point, maybe even three. High twos, low threes. It's all the way down to 175. I think people are realizing, like, hey, you know, she's at ATT, um, or pardon me, ATT. Um, is it ATT or AK, AKA? Um, she's down in Florida. I think it's ATT. Yeah, she's down at ATT, and she, um, um, they're smart down there with game plans, things that, like I, I believe her coaches, and she's smart too. They're just gonna say, why risk anything? Take her down, submit her, get her out of there, and you know go home to your, to your family. So I, I got Amanda Nunez. The only way I would play her is in a parlay. And even that, I mean, it's tough to do a parlay. You're going to have to almost do three fighter parlay to really get any value, which I don't like doing. Um, I don't like really doing any parlays, but definitely three fighter parlays. Yeah. I, I'm not really advising that. So, um, but yeah, that's the only way I would play her is in the parlay or by submission. You could do KO too. If you wanted to, I forget what the odds are on that. It might be like plus 100 um, last time I saw. But um, I got Amanda Nunes by submission. Should be an easy victory for her. Yeah, I think the only thing that really worries me about Anderson going to this one is we've seen, you know, we've seen people go in, the, in there and it's like, uh, they don't have a chance. And it's like, boom, you know, Holly Holmes goes out there and she, you know, knocks Ronda Rousey's block off. And it's like, well, a lot of people didn't see that one coming. But I think Anderson kind of, I don't want to say stylistically she she could pro, you know could provide a decent fight, but I think her length is probably what could make the fight somewhat interesting. At least it could make the fight go a little bit longer than than some people will think, just because maybe Nunes is a little hesitant to go in there and get popped in a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just me trying to be optimistic that that it could be a good fight. Um, but we've seen Nunes go out there and just, you know, basically bulldoze people before. And it's like, well, that was quick and easy, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being optimistic that it might be a half decent fight. It's natural to try to figure out how can this opponent against such a dominant champion win? I mean, you see it on UFC countdown. They do that all the time. You watch those shows and you're like, man, the underdog, the, the big underdog can actually has a chance in this fight. You know, they do a good job of, of uh, painting that narrative. And I think that's really what it is. Um, I've done it too. I've sat here and tried to look at this match. I'm like, you know, Megan Anderson's big, you know, she's a natural 145er. She's got 
she's got the reach advantage, all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think we're just kind of trying to talk ourselves into this being a competitive fight when in reality, um, it should be pure domination by Amanda Nunes. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> talk myself into that. It's going to be a half decent fight. So we got our main event here, title fight. You got Jan Blavovich against Israel Adesanya. Adesanya will be like a minus 230 favorite here. I'll let you go first, Gene. You can go ahead and go first. I feel like you probably have a better feel on this one. Okay, and th- this might be a little long, just like the uh, the Jan and Sterling. Super excited for this fight. Um, know both fighters pretty well. Um, Adesanya moving up in, in, uh, moving up from middleweight to light heavyweight, trying to become the UFC's fifth um, double champion in the sense of holding two titles simultaneously. Um, and he's going up against Jan Blahovich, who's just been on a crazy run recently. Um, at one point, you question, should he even be in the UFC? He had a under 500 record, and, man, he just – something clicked for him, and he's uh, – I think he's won like 9 of 10, 8 of, eight of 9, something like that. And, you know, he knocked out Dominic Reyes for the title. Um, so the guy's legit. Polish power is legit uh, with this guy. He's got some nasty kicks. And I think he's, I think it will be Adesanya's toughest test to date, you know, in, in, in uh, the UFC. Adesanya on the other end, we already know about this dude. Style bender, undefeated, super talented, can hit you from any angle, throws varied strikes. Um, he faints a lot, which, he, you know, draws his opponents into um, the type of fight that he wants, which is them coming forward and he ends up picking them apart. For me, it, it's Adesanya. I, I said earlier with the Makachev, I'm going to parlay Makachev with Adesanya. Ades- I think we're witnessing greatness. I think th- I really want to stress that to the to the listeners. I think we're witnessing greatness here, man. And we're going to look back on this time and be like, wow, I can't believe we kind of slept on Adesanya. I haven't been sleeping on him. I've already realized that this dude is great and he's going to go down as one of the greatest um, MMA fighters of all time and definitely one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time. But I think the general public, yeah, he's fun. He's flashy. He's undefeated. You know, he's knocking guys out. But I don't think they realize, like, man, this dude is John Jones. He is Anderson Silva. He is George St. Pierre. This guy is legitimately one of the greats. And it's it's a privilege to watch him. And um, why is he one of the greats? And, you know, why do I feel this way? Um, it's because of he checks every box. Not only does he have knockout power, he, he, he's cerebral in there. He has amazing game plans. He's charismatic. You know, he, you know, it's, it's, it's even out. He transcends the cage. You know, he's he just had he just got to deal with Puma. Um, and um, he's putting out some pretty cool commercials with Puma and stuff. He's just an international superstar. And I think a fight like this, for him to become double champ, I think that will finally um, push him over the edge. I think that will give him that 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 superstar rub that um, that he, he's deserving of. And uh, yeah, man, I just think he ends up picking Jan apart. Um, it's a five round fight. We've seen it before with Adesanya. He fought Costa. Big puncher, um, brute strength. He fought Yoel Romero, big puncher, brute strength. And, man, he just picked him apart. Now, I know that Romero one was a little bit boring. It almost was like that Cyril Gan Rosen strike where you're like, come on, you, you know, Romero, you're losing this fight, move forward. But Adesanya is just smart. You know, in that Romero fight, he started to engage with him, and Romero hit him with this 
crafty, um, this crafty overhand right. And he realized like, man, that hurt me. I'm not going to do that again. And then for the rest of the fight, he just picked them apart from the outside. And I think that's what's going to happen here, except Blahovich isn't like Yoel Romero. I think Blahovich is going to move forward and just try to knock Adesanya out after he starts getting frustrated. And I think Adesanya is going to end up knocking him out. I think he's going to piece him up and end up getting the, uh, you know, KO or TKO at some point in this fight. So I'm pretty confident in this at, at the, at, at this line at 225 minus 225 minus 230. I think it's a good bet. I mean, we spoke a few weeks ago when it was Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns was like legitimately a dangerous fighter. Kamaru Usman was like minus 220, I think at the time. And I was saying like, that was my favorite bet. I'm going to lay the wood and take Usman. I feel the same way in this fight. I feel like, man, realistically, when we look back on this, this fight should probably be like minus 300. Um, But because Adesanya, quote unquote, isn't proven yet, even though I think that's an insane statement to make, but a lot of people don't feel like he's proven. Um, Yeah. So I, I, I got Adesanya. I think at 225, 230, man, I think it's a steal. I think I think this guy is – I think he's the future of, of the UFC, and he's going to do even bigger things than, than he's already done. I agree 100%. Um, I don't think there's really much that you said that I wouldn't say. Um, if he wins this fight, I think he, he definitely goes into, you know, a completely different atmosphere. He's up there with, you know, all the guys you name like Sylvan, St. Pierre, and – John Jones and those guys. I mean, he, he goes, what doesn't he have in his arsenal? Um, you know, I think I worry about, I worry about Jan a little bit that I wonder if he can make it the distance. Adesanya has, you know, three fights that have gone, you know, five full rounds and Jan only has one. And I wonder maybe a little bit about his cardio here that, you know, if Adesanya tries to drag him into deep water, um, that, you know, it could be, it could be trouble. My gut says, I don't know, Adesanya probably tries to showcase his talent here. Um, he breaks out everything. Um, I think you're going to see elbows, knees, you know, spinning back fists, flying kicks. I think you're going to see everything. Um, and I think we're going to, we'll see it a little bit later after maybe he feels that, you know, the, the danger, um, might be over. And I have a feeling this is just going to be one of those one of those flashy fights. And we've seen, you know, guys like Sylvan, St. Pierre, and John Jones, guys you mentioned, go out there and just have that fight where it was like, dude was just doing whatever he wanted to, man. He he, he basically showed you what an MMA fighter um, can do. So for me, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Adesanya for sure. Uh, I think the TKO is definitely in the cards here. I'll probably end up betting that. Uh, plus 135, I'll parlay Adesanya as well. I just think he's so damn confident that, you know, that nothing nothing shakes this guy. And until I see that happen, then I probably, you know, will go ahead and, and I'll probably end up betting him regardless of the fact. But um, he's just that damn good. I think he, he is, you know, going to end up being an all-time great here. Um, I don't know, man. I, I It's going to take somebody that, it's going to take somebody like a John Jones to step into the ring or, you know, he's going to have to come down and wait or something. I don't know what's going to happen um, to give somebody like Adesanya, you know, a run for the money because I just feel like he's, he's at a different level. That's just the way that I feel. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. I mean, 
Um, and and the thing that's the thing that's you know most glaring for me in this matchup is like he's fought this type of fighter before. Everyone said Paulo Costa. Oh my goodness! Like this is gonna be his toughest test. Paulo Costa undefeated, knockout power, and man, he just picked him apart. And um, you all Romero was un- unanimous decision, whatever. But you all, you know, so so you have both sides of it. Like Paulo Costa got frustrated and like rushed. Um, Adesanya, Adesanya took him out. You all Romero um, was more patient and was able to land a massive shot that actually Adesanya said you know kind of hurt him. And then that, so it just totally changed up his game. He's like, all right, I'm not, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to get knocked out. I don't want to feel that punch. I'm just going to pick him apart from the outside. So like you said, I mean, the guy, he has everything. It doesn't, you name it, elbows, kicks, flying knees, flying kicks. Um, he, he has everything in his arsenal. And then on top of it, which is, this is what really matters in the end is like, he's cerebral. He's smart. He is, he's the Tom Brady, whatever, whatever other, you know, sport you want to think of when when you think of greats and, but not greats because of the talent, their physical skill, but just the mental, like that is out of Sanya. And, um, and John Jones is there too. John Jones is on the same level in that sense, like with, with the cerebral aspect of the game. But um, just quickly, what I'll wrap this up with is Blahovich. This is a key that I want people to, to watch when Blahovich gets um, either. He feels like oh, I, I got a knockout. Like I potentially, uh, I can knock this guy out. Or if he gets frustrated, he just rushes in, just throws like four or five, you know, strike combinations with his chin up in the air. And we've already seen that against Adesanya. Paul Acosta did it, got knocked out. Robert Whitaker did it, got knocked out twice. Because in the first round, he got knocked out, got saved by the bell, like literally was out, but the bell rang and he, you know, he made it to the stool. Then he comes back in the second, does the same thing, rushes Adesanya. Adesanya takes him out knocks him out. So we've seen this before. And I just, I want people to to watch that. Um, I think that potentially could happen in this fight where Blahovich just gets frustrated with the late kicks, gets frustrated that Adesanya is keeping him at, at range and he rushes in and Adesanya just hits him with one of his hooks, takes him out. So um, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Not only because I do think it would be, I think it would be fun, you know, exciting fight, but also just for Adesanya's legacy and just, you know, I like the guy. I think he's a great fighter. Um, in and out of the cage, uh, great personality. And I think this is his moment, man. This is his time to shine. And I think he's going to seize, seize this moment. Yeah, I think he will too. You know, I, I don't have a best bet um, to give out, but I guess if I had to give out a best bet, I think Adesanya is probably the one that I am the most confident. And I agree with what you said um, when you were going ahead and you were talking that you felt like this line should be a little bit higher. Um, I feel that way too. You know, when you mentioned it before where you were like, you know, if you're watching, you know, UFC this and, and this and that, um, that they make cases for the underdog. And sometimes they do and they try to make the strongest cases possible because they want it to sell. And they might know, like, this isn't even going to even be close. I have a feeling like the UFC and everybody knows that that Ansani is, you know, kind of the real deal. And if he wins this fight, I think not only does it put him in like a different atmosphere, but. I think he gets to call the shots. He's going to, you know, he, his paychecks are going to be ridiculous. Um, he's going to move because he has that, you know, he has that confidence. He's not afraid to talk. He's not afraid to talk. He's he's not a Conor McGregor type of talker, but if you want to put a guy up there who could rival some of the paychecks that, that Conor's brought in, um, Adesanya, I think eventually could be, you know, he could be that guy. You know, he could be the, 
the face of the UFC where, you know, he's, he's the guy selling the pay-per-views and he's making the calls and, and calling the shots and, you know, naming the venues and just that and the other. I, I think he has that potential. Um, I think he has that potential star power. But that'll wrap up the pod, guys. Uh, pretty good stuff here. We went through uh, one fight on the prelim, all the main card. Give you guys all our picks here. Big thanks to Gene for going ahead, jumping on the podcast. You guys can get him on Twitter at MeanGene0022. And you can find me at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on Saturday. Enjoy the fights. <laughs>